Welcome to the EMCC UK podcast and welcome to this spotlight series on group dynamics in team coaching. In this episode, our host, EMCC Senior Practitioner and Chartered Psychologist Karen Walsh chats to Paul West, a consultant, coach and advisor helping people and organisations convert their ambition into a reality. In his practice, Paul works with ambitious, forward-thinking organisations striving to elevate performance, adopt cutting-edge technology and capabilities and drive cultural change towards sustainable growth. Paul is also on the faculty at the NTL Institute for Applied Behavioural Science. During this conversation, Paul shares a description of a group dynamic theory, alongside a case study of how a team coach responded and adapted to group dynamics. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a future episode. A very warm welcome to the EMCC UK podcast series. Thank you, Karen. I'm really pleased to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to see you and hear you. And by way of an introduction, it'd be lovely to hear a little bit more about the kinds of teams that you, you work with. Okay, cool. Uh, I work with a variety of teams, different sectors, generally exec or leadership teams or boards, um, working across from the kind of private owner-led organisations all the way through to PLC and um, heavily regulated organisations like um, civil service and, and central and public uh, bodies. So a, a real broad mix. Yeah, yeah, real mix. And I guess that gives you lots of kind of really richness in terms of experience of different cultures and ways of working. I absolutely. Yeah. It definitely thinks, uh, forces you to be a bit more adaptive in, in kind of the style of team coaching and, and actually what, you, what you're looking for and what you actually do. But it's, it's great. For me, variety is the uh, exciting part of it. Great. And so today we're kind of exploring team dynamics within team coaching and you very kindly offered to kind of share a bit of time talking about an, ex an example of when you've worked with a team and some team dynamics have shown up and then we're going to explore some of the, the theories, the research, you know, the kind of the, um, the under underpinning and evidence base behind those team dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, great. So looking forward to hearing about that. So yeah, over to you. Thank you. <coughs> I think for me, just kind of before we get into it, it's every, t every kind of, like, as you said, the, the variety of it, every different team, every different um, uh, kind of construct that team is always different. And I, I approach it all with that view of it's, it's a group and the group dynamics are in play to try and really work out actually what's going on that means it affects their tasks, their delivery, what they're trying to do, as well as actually how do they kind of maintain and grow and, and behave as a team as well. And that's definitely the kind of the two lenses I'm, I'm holding all the time when I, when I kind of coach teams and work with them. I think you asked for some examples, there's was, there was actually quite a lot to uh, draw on, so trying to pick one is quite hard, <clears throat> because they, it generally never goes exactly to plan, and, and you, I hold a framework like we all do, uh, or hold several frameworks, and it's that first kind of observation where you think, okay, we're, we're going to start down a certain path, and for either process of observations at a team, one-to-one -one conversations, or just being with them, what kind of really comes up is new, uh, and one example did stand out for me. It was a, 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 some work with an exec team and we'd 
done some initial um, observations, some diagnostic, some one-to-ones, and we're halfway through a series of team coaching sessions. <clears throat> and we've worked on actually what the principles, how they want to kind of be much more overt around the group norms, the team norms, and, and working through that. And one of the things they mentioned was, um, in their conversation together, is actually checking in and looking after each other. Uh, but that was really interesting because there was some interesting dynamics going on. And one of the sessions we run as a, as a team coaching session, uh, right at the beginning, actually it kind of started to unravel. One of the individuals came in, had come from a difficult meeting, and uh, the, I think they were all, all a bit rushed. And actually what happened is they jumped straight into the task. They jumped straight into, let's talk about why we're here, let's go for the agenda, let's really start to do something. But what you could see was that the, the frustration and the, and the kind of um, uncomfort or discomfort with one of the participants. And, and the great thing was he aired it. So for me, that, the example there, he kind of said, look, this is not what we've agreed. This is not the process we said. Where's, where's our checking? How are we going to kind of really um, <clears throat> spend time looking after yourself and checking in? And, and that was, for me, a great example where the dynamics of the group himself, the team himself, forced me to change. So actually what we did in that instance, what I did next, was stop the session. So the, as, a t- as <coughs> coaches as a team, actually what we need to do is stop the session and allow them to go and connect. So I, I sent them off for a, a, a cup of tea and coffee for an hour or two to actually go spend time connecting. And, and that's a not typical kind of thing what happens. It's actually when you work, when I'm working with teams and kind of coaching them, it tends to be how do you create the connection? How do you find a way of building the connection and that psychological safety and that feeling of belonging that allows the team members uh, to actually start to participate as a team and grow as a whole. And, and that example in particular was what meant after they've gone away and spent some time connecting and kind of getting to a problem where they feel connected, bringing them back and really start to talk about, okay, what's the underlying kind of processes going on there? What, what's driving the fact that you forgot to check in? <coughs> is there, is, was there any intention behind it? So that, that for me was a really important part to draw out on when that team coaching instance around... Um, having to pay attention to the fact that that connection is really important. And sometimes a lot of teams focus too much on that task and that delivery of the purpose they're there to do and forget sometimes that connection, <coughs> connection, while not always feeling like it's an important thing to do, in this instance it shone its light of it actually was really important because the individual needed that connection, that care and that feeling of support from the group. Thank you, Paul. So, yeah, just to recap what I heard there, um, the team had talked about the principle of kind of looking after each other and that checking in with each other. And in a meeting, it didn't happen. So somebody came in a bit flustered and the others were kind of showing a bit of frustration and just kind of wanting to get on with the task elements of what they were doing. Um, and that's kind of where you came in to kind of invite them to pause so they can connect, do that connection they felt was important. Exactly, exactly that. So I'm hearing through that there was an assumption that connection is important, psychological safety you mentioned, that's important for a team, um, and getting that balance right of task versus connection. So are there any underlying theories behind that that you can maybe help you kind of come to these assumptions and these kind of about how teams work well? Yeah, there's loads. And that kind of makes a classic and, and slightly normal ones. Bob Marshak, uh, I think, is really good. He talks about overt and covert process, overt and covert behaviours. So I, I rely on that a lot to see, kind of sense what's not said. So what's on the table, the thing that's overt and used, and actually versus what's covert and not actually talked about and, and kind of um, experienced. And for me, most of the time, it's uncovering the right things that need to be taken away from being covert to overt. And that's generally when I look at team norms, 
ways of working, principles is definitely is a, is a, a phrase I use around that. And I think that, that thinking around how do we think make things more of that is really important. And that ties in with that kind of broader uh, focus on group process. Uh, a, a much more modern version of that is Pacciolentione's and his five dysfunctions of the team. And that, that for me is a, a great kind of interpretation of, of that more classical uh, um, kind of team theory around actually how do we establish and build trust? How do we find positive ways to deal with conflict? How do we find ways to kind of build that commitment that accountability and the results. But then you start to draw that back from my experience to kind of the much more kind of broader thinking around Bayon, Lewin, <coughs> in respect to how do they look at groups, how to look about that, that difference between maintenance and, and uh, process activities. And, and for me, that's that distinction. So I always go back to kind of group process thinking around that and, and Bayon and his family theory aspects come into it. So you start to look about actually are there uh, projections going on? So the, there's some really core theories for me that actually start to unravel. But the basic principle is, for me anyway, when I'm working with teams and coaching them, is drawing a distinction that says, how are you maintaining yourself as a team? How are you creating that psychological safety we spoke about? How are you being much more overt around the norms, around behaviours, how you turn up, how you treat each other? How do you create connection? Uh, for me, that's another really important thing is using, there's a plethora of tools out there that we can uh, have access to all the way from the GC Index, which talks about how you make an impact, to uh, perhaps Myers-Briggs, Insights Discovery, the more Jung-based theory uh, of insights that it creates that personal individual awareness and awareness of others. And for me, the awareness of others is really important because understanding why people turn up in a certain way, why people react in a certain way, say, think, can have an impact in a certain way allows you to kind of move beyond actually some of your projections. So going back to that point about projections, and I start to unpick why is someone <clears throat> responding in a certain way when I, when I say some things or the way we behave. And that, that kind of understanding and using many tools to kind of present that individual awareness and moving into that team collective awareness is really important. And, and for me, it's, it's perhaps skimmed over all too often. We kind of jump into actually how do we build <clears throat> trust? How do we kind of create our accountability? And for me, that, that kind of, comfort around um, awareness of each other is really important because that connection builds relationships and without that understanding you can't move into the more powerful aspects around feedback difficult conversations conflict uh, and again the list of people that can they've got books and, and approach by them is, is vast but actually that core concept of creating safety in a conversation that you can you can give individuals feedback based on those principles of intentionality growth focused, being very specific what you do. These are all kind of core aspects around the kind of team coaching that I, I definitely tend to draw on. Circling back to the Lencioni work, what I found definitely when you work with, um, kind of with the broader corporate uh, institutions is they like that. They can connect to that. There's books out there. There's models out there. And why it's, I think, underpinned by, so Lewin's work, Byron's work, there's a, there's a whole plethora of work that we've all gone through as we've, we've got developed our um, coaching practice, it's actually trying to make it applicable. So a lot of time I, I will try to bring in that because it is applicable, people can kind of connect with it. What do you know about the EMCC UK member benefits? There are so many reasons to join the EMCC UK. In any one year, you can expect to have access to over 100 events, networking opportunities, CPD, special interest groups, a dedicated program to building your own business, links to the EMCC Global and their events, as well as discounts on books, 
magazines and much, much more. Contact info at emccuk.org where our friendly administration team will be on hand to help. Alternatively, visit the EMCC UK website and join today. Thank you, Paul. You covered so much there. So you talked about Marshak, Lencioni, Bion, Lewin, group processes, theories. So I'm kind of imagining there the are quite a lot of group dynamic theories, research that are kind of there at the back of your mind. So I'm just kind of curious about, and maybe that it was automatic that you weren't really thinking about it, it's just what emerges. So do you kind of any point of time when you notice something happening in the team, do you think, okay, that, that theory might be really helpful or this intervention? You know, I kind of heard a little bit that Lencioni sometimes, because it's kind of really un- well understood, isn't it? That might be useful as an intervention. But so what helps you in terms of choosing which intervention, which to bring into the team? Oh, it's a great question, Karen. You're right. A lot of it is kind of uh, subconscious. I think most of us do that once we, we kind of learn it, absorb it, and, and, and apply it in our own way. I, I think I'm probably always running a framework or a model in my, in my mind um, around actually what I need for that team to kind of really operate as a system. I, I think I'm, I'm probably I'm a systems thinker, so I use that, that, that interpretation and reapply it when I'm looking at teams and groups. Uh, and I think that's really important. And it is generally looking at across of, okay, what's the mechanisms they're using um, to make decisions to kind of look after each other and those kind of broader aspects. But typically what I'm looking for is um, three things really. How kind of clear and overt, back to that kind of word overt, are, are they around actually supporting their own growth and connect, their connection as a, as, a, as a team? I think that's that's the principle number one is that are they clear, are they overt, or they are assumed? So if it's, if it's assumed you get then your risk of projection, you've got all those factors coming out. So I'm running in my head is how clear is it that uh, how they turn up and, and the expectations as, as the team and how they turn up, number one. The second thing I'm looking for is that self-awareness. So actually, have, have the individuals got the awareness to know why they are turning up in a certain way? And, and as coaches, we talk about our use of self and, and, and kind of understanding what's going on for us. And actually trying to see, is that coming on for the individuals that are participants in that team? Do they understand why they're reacting in certain ways? And that may make me pause and focus a bit more on perhaps bringing in a profiling tool or working around our um, identity, do some work on identity, or is it a cultural, personal, social identity is playing out maybe, and trying to draw some insight around that and then using that to build awareness and insight with, with others. So that second factor is how self-aware are they of each other and themselves? The third factor for me is that norms and principles. It, it kind of, it's linked very heavily to the first side around the overt kind of conversation. But are they established? Um, how, how, how kind of clear are those norms and principles? And actually, how clearly are they creating a feeling of psychological safety? And, and the measure I'm always looking for is, does conflict happen? Do they disagree? And for me, that's another thing I'm looking for, and it, it tends to trigger a slightly different approach for me as, as, as the coach for that team is. How clearly are they disagreeing? Is it all kind of smiles and politeness? Or is it some good, honest dialogue and some challenge uh, around that? And if, if that's the case, I tend to bring in different ways of thinking about how you type of meetings. Um, Amy Edmondson's work on psychological safety is great. Her, her, her whole spectrum of failure, uh, I think, is fantastic. And I use it a lot with um, teams when we're trying to work out, actually, why aren't you disagreeing with each other? Why aren't you having kind of sensible dialogue? 
uh, and actually bringing out the fact of around failure. Is it an intentional failure? Is it experimenting? Are you kind of doing it at the, at the positive end of that? Or is it much more kind of uh, at the negative kind of construed end of failure? And so Amy Emerson's work on that is fantastic and really powerful. Um, so that, that's kind of the, those three factors I'm looking for all the time around that, and they will drive different um, approaches for me. So thank you. So I heard, yeah, it's what serves the team's needs. And then it sounds like those overt conversations, the self-awareness, the norms are always important. So if you ever notice that they're not fully there or there's some work to be done in those spaces, that's where you kind of surface those and kind of bring it to the discussion. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and sometimes as well is that you, you'll start to work with a team and it becomes clear pretty much that there's actually there's a fundamental that one thing you just need to address. And, and typically it's conflict decision, decision making. I find that a lot with um, boards and executive teams that actually just the ability to have a disagreement with each other and do it in a positive way that's not about the individual, it's about the task, uh, it's about the outcome. I think that's a real, probably common thing actually. It doesn't necessarily come in the initial brief. But pretty soon you realise that actually you need to find a way of allowing that. And that's then when you start to bring in the other factors around, okay, your self-awareness um, and a common language. That's another factor that's really important. And some of those profiling tools I mentioned are used heavily because it brings in a common language. And as soon as you have a common language to talk about difficult things, to give each other feedback, that's actually when you start to build trust. And that's actually when you start to build connection. And, that, and then the kind of, yeah, everything else builds off the back of that. I think all too often... I think we forget that we've got to find what are the underpinning principles and the foundations for this team to grow from. And sometimes we kind of, as we go along, we realise actually we haven't picked that up and we need to circle back. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot about relationships, the connections between each of the people in, in that space and how they relate to each other, making decisions, how they deal with conflict in, in service of positive conflict, I guess, in terms of not starting to get personal, but yeah supporting each other i think that's absolutely correct and and i think a lot of teams as well feel they should have no conflict and as our job as team coaches sometimes it's to call out the fact that it isn't isn't in place and that healthy dialogue is, is really important it goes back to barn and his, his family work around families and, and actually it's the same with teams you need disagreement because actually when you think about team that's where growth occurs that's where innovation comes from when people bring in that diversity of perspective and I think that's really important. Okay. And I guess we could provide a few links to those kind of key theories that you've mentioned in the show notes, couldn't we, if you don't have enough time to talk, go into detail today, because I know they're quite complex and there's lots to say about each of those really great um, theories. So thank you. Yeah, we covered quite a lot of ground there. Yeah, hopefully um, it all made sense. Yeah, yeah, just one question. Um, do you actually tell the team about the theory that you're using, or this is kind of this is what Marshak says, and or Lencioni? I wonder if you bring that into your conversations, your coaching. That's a, that's a great question, and in fact, it's a, it's a question that I, I know that uh, many of us discuss uh, when we when we come together. Um, it really depends on the client uh, and the team. So for some clients and teams, they don't want to kind of be taught, if that makes sense. So for them, it's not about what's the kind of um, research, who, who am I quoting. For them, it's about actually give me something that's applicable. Um, so I will bring in the theory, whether I name it for what it is, sometimes not necessarily, uh, but other times I, it may be a series of questions, it may be sent up, up on the flip chart, or even actually a slide. So I'm actually doing some work with a team at the minute, and we have a, a day 
uh, together to do some coaching work in January. And the first morning is going for a lot of kind of theory around, it. and then the whole the focus of that session is on feedback. Um, and then it's important for me to kind of go through some of that context, that theory, and name it to give them a bit of safety around. Okay, this is well thought through, and there's a foundation behind it, and there's research behind it. So it very much, I think, for me, is a mix. Um, but I, I'm, I won't shy away from bringing it in. I may not name it sometimes, and I'm, I may not put it on a slide. I may just talk it through and, and bring it to life. But I think for me as, as coaches, part of our work with and support of, of teams and individuals and broader organisations as we help them grow is kind of giving them the, the tools to continue to do so. So by and large, my principle is to try and share that, that information as early as possible, those models, those frameworks, those mm. approaches. Thank you. Thank you. Really, really helpful. And we've come to time. I'm, I'm thinking so many more questions I could ask you and we could probably talk for much longer, but we need to kind of bring today's podcast to a close. So just left, leaving it to say thank you, Paul. Paul West, thank you so much for joining us today. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Um, my name is Karen Walsh and you've been listening to the EMCC UK podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the EMCC UK. Together, our aim is to promote good practice and the expectation of good practice in coaching, mentoring and supervision. To learn more about the EMCC UK and to find out about membership, accreditation, events, CPD opportunities and learning resources, visit emccuk.org. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a future episode.